0: If you need help, ask, because actually, the more successful people have been, the more likely they are to want to help. And that's not saying anything against anyone. It's just been my experience. So when you reach out to people, whether it's through LinkedIn or in real life, if you do it with a kind of positive intent, I just find, yeah, people love to help. So why not ask for the help? So instead of sitting there stewing on whatever the issue, whether it be a financial issue or whatever it is, yeah, if I I could only make one point in this whole podcast, it would be ask for help. Okay. Because so many people are actually chuffed the bits to be able to help.
1: Hello and welcome to Small Business Financial Freedom. My name's Susan Crichton from SJC Plus Zero Accountants and today I'm talking to Thor Holt. Is that right, Holt?
0: Yeah, yeah. you can say it however you want. I'm I'm used to taking all sorts of abuse about my name over the years <laughs> so it's not often people start on the surname. Typically they ask me if my first name is a stage name or something I created myself in later life but no just hippie parents who moved to Shetland in
1: 1973.
0: Oh okay. Yeah behest of a wonderful local guy in Shetland called Billy Tullock who put out the bat signal to the rest of the UK basically saying the island was becoming depopulated and my parents were among the hippie migrants who showed up there and I was born there in a wee wee hut in 1973. So thank you, Billy. Wonderful, accepting, loving character that he was.
1: Good, good. So let me explain how I know Thor, because I don't really know him, but I've stalked him for a number of years on (laughs) LinkedIn. So he's already sort of going, oh my God, this is a mad woman that I've got talking to me, but never mind. I reached out to him just during COVID and he was able to help me then. You actually sat next to me at a sort of, not a conference, but sort of like a something that Sarah Downs was giving a talk. And I think you must have been mentoring her or something. You were just in to make sure that to see how she was doing with the talk. But I think that's the closest we've got to actually meeting. So it's actually quite nice to sort of, have a chat to you face to face, although nobody sees it face to face, but I can see you face to face.
0: Well, that's great. And thank you for the, for the memory jogger. The COVID, that was an interesting time.
1: It was an interesting time.
0: Yeah, other things. So I can't actually remember the context of our conversation, but I certainly ended up in a lot of scenarios that I wouldn't necessarily usually have. And actually, you know, it was obviously there were some terrible things happened through that time, but. I did have one net positive. I do like to try and focus on the positives. And that one of them is I literally don't have to be anywhere anymore because people absolutely accept that what I do, executive coaching, for want of a better word, and I have some other projects on the go, but that's the backbone of of what I do still. People just are totally cool They're doing it by Teams or Zoom now. So that has definitely, that's been a huge net positive for me. I know it isn't in all industries, but how have you found it in terms of accountancy world
1: it was very positive for me as well because i used to travel to my clients and i used to spend maybe an hour getting there to spend an hour with them and an hour home so my morning would be gone for an hour's meeting i don't do that anymore i do it by zoom calls it saved me a lot of time and energy and whereupon's before clients you know zoom still existed before covid but clients weren't keen now they don't mind at all It was, it's a big positive for me, a really big positive for me, but I reached out to you during COVID with my son, Daniel. I don't know if you remember, he was having real problems, mental health problems. And I reached out for you because you talked a lot about it on LinkedIn and I wanted to get some advice, point him in the right direction of getting some help. And you helped me with that. So that was, I'm grateful for that. He's fine now. He's fine now. He spoke to the, I can't remember, was it Joyce? I think it was Joyce that you recommended. Yes. So he spoke to Joyce for a number of months and he's actually fine now. So that's good. I think it was just a difficult period for him because he's a freelance musician. So his income stopped and suddenly he found himself in his flat in Edinburgh. And I think it was just really difficult for him. Like a lot of people, I think it was really difficult for him. Yeah, us, you, you and I are
0: sat here going, "Oh yeah, COVID was great for us because now we could do everything online." Meanwhile, your son and half the rest of the world <laughs> has had an awful time. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah. A time of a time of extreme contrast. And yeah, honestly, as soon as you start talking about your son, I did remember the scenario. To be honest, I wouldn't have brought it up on a podcast just in case it was super private. So, okay, yeah, yeah.
1: no, I think it's important to talk about it. Yeah because there probably are people out there that maybe even are still suffering or not COVID-related are suffering. And it's just good to know that you can reach out and get some help from someone. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to say, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business journey, how you started, what you do, and the lessons you've learned along the way?
0: Goodness me. Well, in in terms of the current iteration of what I do, there's often a communication focus to what I do. Not always, but story plays a big part in what I do. And I would tend to start with self-story. So what story are people telling themselves about themselves? How are they framing themselves? And it could be as simple as a metaphor, you know, all the way through to some fairly complex corporate storytelling. But that wasn't always the case. So in my earlier life, I have worked as a professional actor. I trained as an actor in, I guess, 2002, been on all kinds of amusing things like Crime Watch where I played an undercover detective.
1: (laughs) Well, I didn't know that about you, Thor. That's really interesting.
0: Well, so there you go. But in terms of, I'm happy to go back to that, but in terms of this sort of more business side of the coaching I do, I would really blame a... uh, a Scottish notable, and that would be Bob Keeler for getting me into that. Because what happened is, Right. and I was looking at ways of, I guess I would have been early 30s, so what am I, nearly 50 now? What age would I have be, been, early mid-30s? I don't know, I lose track of time. But basically, I was in the gym, and I was chatting to Bob, and I knew he was a really effective and kind of well-regarded public speaker. And public speaking was something I'd only done it once or twice in my life, and I had just, pardon my French, crapped myself when I'd done it. I was a super confident guy, I'd fought in the ring, I'd done various crazy things, jumping out planes and shit, but something about public speaking was particularly terrifying, which I think lots of people might resonate with. And so I asked Bob's advice, saying, you know, I'd like to try public speaking again, but I've only done it once or twice, and I was terrified. And he said, oh, I've got something for you, buddy. Literally, that was the words. He, he sent me an email, and in the email was... I think it was Thor's challenge was the headline. Anyway, basically, he'd been asked to deliver a social entrepreneurial public speech to Cornerstone's annual dinner in Glasgow. And he'd been asked quite last minute, I think, because the chap, now I can't remember his name, He, I think he'd founded the big issue maybe. And this guy had had like a heart issue or something and so couldn't speak. So then Bob got asked and he couldn't do it. He had something else on. So this charity was going to have no speaker. And this, <laughs> Bob asked me if I would do it. And I'm like, oh my well, God. <laughs> as, for, as for a speaking gig but I could hardly say no at this point and I did have a topic because I had been or was I think still so at that time a trustee of a drink and no rehab up in Shetland a family-run social entrepreneurial venture on our family croft we still have the croft but the rehab sadly in the end we had to close it down because the funding model changed despite we had super good results with it anyway the point is I had a topic potentially and so I basically agreed to do it once I'd spoken to the CEO of Cornerstone, having been introduced by Bob. And the sting in the tail was <laughs> it was seven days away.
1: <laughs> oh my God. So talk about baptism of fire, right?
0: Eh? Yeah. So Bob, Bob likes to dish out a challenge. I I c I couldn't say no. I mean, as I say, I've done all kinds of crazy things over the years, but yeah. So I just had to go for it. And Bob gave me some old notes he had from Dan Reel's course, Articulus, which is a great course. I think Dan's maybe sold that company now. Anyway, getting into detail, we don't need. But Bob gave me some old coffee stain notes he had from his course. (laughs) There's a way you go, crack on, build something out of that. And then the day before the gig, or no, the morning of the gig, we met in the gym hall, I like the studio a bit, where there was nobody else. And I did a run-through, got a pressure test from Bob. So what Bob introduced me to was an element of process there, an element of mentorship and you know, concept of pressure testing. And bearing in mind, I'd already been, I still occasionally do bits of professional acting, but I'd already been an actor and I already understood process, like creative process and then rehearsal process and then performance pressure. I mean, it's different. It's very much different to public speaking, but there are crossovers. So what happened after that is kind of fell in love, in love hate with it. I ended up getting asked to do some other gigs. I was sometimes Bob's kind of B team speaker or C team speaker. If he couldn't get someone, he'd ask me to do so I ended up over a couple of years getting lots and lots of gigs of all sorts. And Bob and I ended up kind of co-developing some stuff. So we'd go and do workshops in universities and things around Scotland. He was building PSN at that time, and he would do core values in business. And I would I did this bit on confidence, basically. It was around confidence. And we kind of bookended each other. We would do this two-part, and then we'd do Q&A. And it was great fun. And I, up until relatively recently, still done some things with Bob and may do again. But... That's kind of how I got into what I currently do. Because as I got more and more into it, I Let's see if I can get the dates now. My daughter's 15. So it was when she was fairly young, I realized that acting wasn't going to be a reliable source of income. Because even if you're in a purple patch and you're doing really well, you're still only going to get maybe one in 10 gigs. So I had an agent, which is a success in itself. I had a good agent. So she'd get me good uh, auditions. But then you go do the audition, and as I say, if you get one in 10 jobs – you're you're really kicking asses and so that's hard to make a living. Because if you think a really well paid commercial at that kind of level might be three or four grand, and you think, well, that's great for a day's work. Well, yeah, but if you've done if you've done ten auditions and traveled all over the Britain to get that, yeah, it, well, not very well paid at all. Even so, if you get. So I kind of was doing less and less of the acting stuff, and I was still doing some personal fitness training as well at that time. So I was a coach in that context already. I'd been an early PT in Aberdeen when there were just a handful of us, and. That is something that kind of continued even during my acting training down in London and in Sydney and Australia. So I just ended up doing less and less of the physical stuff, more and more of the coaching around communication, business storytelling, et cetera. And I guess that's really how I've ended up where I am. There's some other kind of side things have happened to do with property and to do with some companies that I now have a stake in, but probably not for the purview of this podcast. But in terms of my kind of day-to-day operational things that I do. It tends to be executive coaching, strategic presentation project. Yeah, that's kind of what makes up the backbone of what I do.
1: Okay. okay. So what lessons do you think you've learned along the way or in a business as such? What lessons have you learned or have you?
0: I think the lesson from that particular story with Bob, and it's just, it's a lesson I've definitely kept applying, is the value of well, asking for help and being challenged. So whether it is mentorship officially or whether it's just asking for help and advice, I really feel, and I advise this to young people when they ask, is if you need help, ask. Because actually, the more successful people have been, the more likely they are to want to help. And that's not saying anything against anyone. It's just been my experience. So when you reach out to people, whether it's through LinkedIn or in real life, if you do it with a kind of positive intent, I just find... Yeah. People love to help. So why not ask for the help? So instead of sitting there stewing on whatever the issue, whether it be a financial issue or whatever it is. Yeah. If I, if I could only make one point in this whole podcast, it would be ask for help okay. because so many people are actually chuffed to bits to be able to help.
1: That's really good, actually. I mean, one of the, one of the previous people that I've interviewed said, read, read everything that you can about the subject So that I suppose if you want to, I mean, and it's funny talking to you just now, and I'm a big one in coincidences and things passing across you when they should pass across, you know, and I'm thinking about getting into talking, speech talking, talking at conferences and things. I did did one last year. And it was a bit like you. I got asked at the last minute. And I think I got asked because they couldn't find another accountant to do it. And they asked me very much last minute. And I I thought about it. And then I thought, okay, well, and it was a bit like you. They gave me seven days and I had to pull something (laughs) together. And I just thought, you know what? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And it was in Edinburgh and I went down and did it. And it wasn't it wasn't a huge conference. There was probably about 50 people there, but I still stood up and spoke in front of 50 people. And I actually loved it. And the feedback that I got from the audience was really good. And I've been thinking, I think I would like to do more of that. It's, it's like anything, it's it's finding how you do it. And maybe it is asking people, asking for help. And I've I've heard Bob talk on a number of occasions, and he does talk about stories, and you have to, you know, and you re I've read a lot about when you're talking, it has to, has to be storytelling. It can't be just loads and loads of facts. It has to be storytelling. So that when you're talking to, I was talking to small businesses in Edinburgh and it was about the various things that they the steps that they have to go through before they actually start a business. But you have to, I had to incorporate, or I thought I had to incorporate some stories relating to that. Probably personal stories I told them. So I told them about what I had done and how I had hoped, coped and what I had learned and what mistakes I had made. Because believe me, I made I've made heaps of mistakes in my business. <laughs> you think you're doing the right thing and you end up that no, actually you're not. So that's really interesting to ask for help it's I, I suppose it's deciding who to ask or finding who to ask that's probably some part of the problem isn't it
0: Well maybe but I again it's like I would advise my own daughter if she's if someone's trying to make a decision I don't know what, what should I do in my life well what's the first thing that pops in your head start because you're going to find something off the back of that so the same with asking for help it's like well who do I know who might know? Well, ask them if they don't know, they'll know someone that does. It's pretty much the same with everything, isn't it? If you don't start, nothing's going to start. This is where I would probably, I'd love to have had your other guest on at the same time. I would argue about the reading. And it's not that I don't love reading. I love reading. I've read way too many books. And I find that I end up in the proverbial paralysis of analysis, where you read another book about X. Well, what I should really have done is gone and tried X. And so nothing wrong with reading but it's getting the balance. So yeah, I'd rather ask someone and just get their top two tips to it and then just apply those top two tips. And then next thing you know, well, it either worked or it didn't work. But if you give me a book, it's got 50 things in it. I'll probably do none. I'll just think, oh, that was a good book.
1: <laughs> and that That is the one problem about me. I try to read one business book a month but the problem with reading business books is you read them and you think, well, that was it, or that was rubbish, or it didn't teach me anything, or that was really good. But then you don't apply anything from it. It's like going on a course, isn't it, and coming away going, that was really interesting, or going to a conference or hearing someone talk and think, well, that was really interesting, but then never actually applying anything to it. So I've recently started going, sitting down after I've read the book and making notes about what have I learned and what can I take forward from that book? So that might help to a certain extent. But I do read a lot of rubbish books, business books, and a lot of books, which is, I probably shouldn't say that, but and a lot of books repeat themselves. You know, it's like they're not telling you anything new. They're repeating the same things that so-and-so said, that so-and-so said. But there are occasionally ones that you read that you think, God, oh, that was really good. So I, I'm
0: wondering then, see your stories that you told to the in the Edinburgh conference recently.
1: Yeah. What,
0: what would be your favorite story? because I'd love to hear it. and it would be interesting to hear how you already are incorporating stories. Like what give me one of the stories you told them.
1: Well one of the stories I told them that was when I started, I accepted anyone and everyone. You know, if anybody came to me and said, I need an accountant and will you do this for me? I was like, yes. Mm -hmm. And they would originally, when I started, a lot of it was how much is it going to cost? And I actually had one person that I lost because he found an accountant that was five pounds cheaper. And I was devastated. I was like, oh, my God, I've lost a client because I was five pounds more expensive. And it got to the stage where I had a lot of clients. I wasn't earning a lot of money because they weren't paying me very much. But I was saying yes to them, yes to them, because I thought I need the money. And I ended up quite ill because I was doing too much. And that made me realize that. I needed to streamline my clients. I needed to actually start picking, being picky about who I worked with and who I wanted to work with and valuing what I was doing for them and charging accordingly. And I went through a process of, I did a cull. I sort of got rid of the clients that I call them vampire clients that suck the blood out of you that you see. As soon as you see the email from them or the telephone number from them, you go, oh, my God, no. (laughs) I got rid of all the vampires, which was really, really scary because that's getting rid of money.
0: Yeah.
1: And as an accountant, you know, money is important. Cash is king. Called my clients, kept the clients that I really wanted, that I enjoyed working with. And I think part of it is laughing. You need to be able to laugh. I can't be all serious. It cannot be all serious. So you need to be able to laugh with your clients, getting rid of the ones that I enjoyed, and then being picky about who I took on. Now, great lesson. Do I stick to it? I try to really stick to it. I try to be really good, but I do sometimes still make mistakes I still sometimes have chats with new clients and my gut is saying to me no 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 and I still say yes 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 <laughs> yeah. and two or three months into it I'm thinking oh my God why why did I say yes to, why did I say yes I'm not enjoying it I don't like this client so I'm not perfect but that was one of the <laughs> things I said to them
0: I love that, right? I love that, Susan. I thought, and now I'm going to be cheeky, uh, mm-hmm. risk warning. I thought that's maybe what, when you start talking about clients having me fun, I thought maybe that's why she wears red glasses because nobody wears red glasses. And I thought maybe it's like a filter. You're waiting, <laughs> picks you up on your red glasses.
1: <laughs> Actually, I have got, I meet clients, and because I wear lipstick as well, usually to match my glasses. I have met clients where I've maybe popped out to the shops and, you know, you haven't got my glasses on because I I only put them on for reading and things like this. haven't got my glasses on. I maybe haven't put my lipstick on. And I've had clients say to me, what's wrong with you? You haven't got your red lipstick on. And I think, well, I just popped out to the shops to get the papers or something or to get the milk or something. I don't sort of get all like this for that. (laughs) But I have said, I have had some of them say to me.
0: I think it's great, personal brand. I mean it's memorable. Like if you if you show up on stage with I mean, they're not comedy glasses, but you know, what I mean no. they're different. Yes. You must know different. So if you show up with the bright red glasses, everyone's gonna remember that and it's a you know, it's not a prop, it's not an acting prop because you actually need glasses. So yes. yeah, I, I love it. I think it's cool. And I by the way, I lo- I totally agree. So <laughs> I turned fifty this year and really, Susan, I will not work with anybody that boards the bejesus out I of me mean, I just can't be asked. Like it has to be a laugh. Yes. Like, like I genuinely, life's too short. I if if I get in an initial call with somebody, and we don't have a laugh, and the pressure's not all on them, by the way, this is it's just a chemistry thing. I'm not saying that people have to be a flipping comedian. That's not the point no. at all. But if we don't have some kind of vibe, you know, and there's not like a level of humour together, then I'm not going to be taking it further. Like I'm not going to be creating a proposal for them, and I'm not going to say you're boring or something. It's no. not that. I'm just not going to take it to the next stage. No. So, yeah.
1: And you're right. A lot of it is chemistry. A lot of it is, I mean, a lot of the clients I got rid of, you know, it it wasn't them sort of thing. It's like the, you know, when you're you're ending a relationship, it's not you, it's me sort of thing. But you don't actually say that to them. You just say, you know, it's not working. You know, I think we should sort of part ways. Or you I, I have got one accountant that said to me, you push it so far that they say to you, either you put your fees up so high that they go, oh, there's no way I'm staying with you. And you go, phew, they've gone. <laughs> so they've made the decision. You don't have yeah. to make the decision. And he has said to me, this accountant that that I talk to quite a lot, has said to me, if you get someone like that and you don't, you don't feel that like you're gelling with them, just add a few knots onto the fee and, and if they're willing to pay it, then just work with them. Yeah,
0: maybe I you can say, put up with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I say, um, I don't know whether I could. I really yeah. don't know whether I could. I'm like you, life's too short. I want to be able to work with people who I feel value me, who I have fun with, who I think I can help. And if I can sort of say to them, well, I've done that and it didn't work for me, Just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean to say it won't work for you. But please don't price yourself too low. Please don't value yourself too low. And please don't just take anything and everything because Uh, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I was going to ask, though, this might be off topic, and I know it isn't my interview to run, but I am fascinated because it, it feels like you might be relatively unique in the space, the accountants. I don't. See many accountants doing podcasts. How, how did this come about that you're podcasting?
1: Well, I've got a I have got i have got a chap that sort of helps me with media. Bob Jen told you. I think you know Bob. Yeah,
0: I know Bob. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was speaking to him this morning. He said to say hello to you. So he pushes me. He says to me, "You want to be? You don't want to be a bog standard accountant. You don't want to be like everybody else." And he's been pushing me actually for over a year to do a podcast, and the. It, fear was stopping me. I'll be perfectly truthfully, fear was stopping with me. And also just the thought of finding time to do it. That's my big thing, finding time to do it. And I was saying to him this morning, all these things that you want me to do is great, but I'm a sole practitioner. There is only me. And, you know, I've still got to make money to pay the bills. So where am I going to find the time to be creative? And he was saying, you've just got to schedule the time. You've got to find the time, because in the long run, it'll pay off. And he is right. And it it actually helps me. So he's helped me a lot. During the pandemic, I did a lot of webinars and things, Mm -hmm. which was a bit soul destroying, to be truthful with you, Thor, because I was doing these webinars and two people were turning up. (laughs) And you were trying to be, you know, oh, my God. Two people, and then five people turned up. I was going, "Way, I've got five people on my webinar." <laughs> it's, you know,
0: that reminds me of though. That's like an Edinburgh Fringe show or something, or like from my theatre days. If you're if you're doing a show, like you, you you often don't really know until pretty close to the night how well attended something's going to be. I mean, sometimes you know way in advance, but often you don't. And like, are you going to give any less effort if there's Five people in the audience, or two people, than if the audience is full. I mean, you can't really because if if you're putting on a play, you need to play the play. So, yeah, I'd say just fair play. You like if if two people show up and you still deliver something interesting and relevant to them. Well, great. I mean, it's it's two humans communicating or being communicated with by another human. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So philosophically, to me, it's the same as if you've got a thousand people in an auditorium. Hopefully, less nerve wracking, but other than that, it's the same principle and one of those two people might go away and tell a thousand people so so it's like we just don't know so I think I agree with Bob on that one
1: yeah you don't know and yeah. that was a bit that was a bit like the conference because I got so much feedback I got so many questions Yeah, and that made me feel really good because that made me feel like oh my god you know they're listening and they've got yeah. questions for me I think there was a couple of questions I said to them. I might be like the man from Del Monte. I don't know, but I can probably go and find out. I can say that to my clients as well. I don't have any qualms in saying, I don't know, or that's not my field, or I'm not up on that. I'm willing to go and find out about it for you or to point you in the direction of someone who might know, but I'm not an oracle. I don't know everything. And I really don't have qualms in saying, I don't know because I think a lot of people do have qualms and I always say to my clients no question is stupid you know please please ask me a question or if I'm explaining something to you and you don't understand it don't sit there with a glazed face and go away and go well that was a load of rubbish I haven't got a clue which was talking about say to me I don't understand and I'll try and explain it to you.
0: So I've got a thought for you right uh, yep. you've You maybe already thought of this, but it strikes me, you must have absolutely nailed that talk, by the way. You know why? Why? Well, because you just told me you got a load of questions. Like, to me, that is a great talk. Did you you tell all those young folk, the startup people, did you tell them about
1: your podcast? I don't think I'd started my podcast then because it's still quite new. And like I say, I'd been being pushed and pushed and pushed, and I hadn't actually done it. I did do the bit at the end where I put the final slide up with my contact details and who I was and I was chuffed to bits because I saw all these cameras coming out yeah. and people taking photographs and that gave me a big boost because I thought, oh, they're all taking photographs of me. Yeah. Whether they get in touch with me, I to be truthful, with you, I haven't had anyone come back to me about it, but that to me doesn't matter. They've gone away. They've got my contact details. They might come back in two years' time. Like you've said, they might go and talk to someone and say, I was listening to this woman. She was really good. Why don't you go and talk to her? Was it recorded? No. That was the one sad thing about it because I spoke to someone the beginning of this week about speaking, and he said to me, did you record it? Because that would have been excellent if you'd recorded it. It
0: would have been a great podcast. That would have been a great podcast on its own yeah stick on the podcast yeah
1: but he said to me contact the the company that ran it and see if they recorded it i said yeah. to him i didn't see any cameras or anything on the day he said but they might have been taking photographs or something you could use the photographs so i'm going to do that
0: did you do a post about it is there a linkedin post about it
1: I, you know i don't think i did i know Fuck. i'm really, i'm really bad
0: promo <laughs> 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 Speaking opportunities, like if you got, if people were asking you questions after and you went, you traveled down to Edinburgh and you spoke about a professional topic that you're an expert in and you had load of questions from those people, that is an interesting piece of content to LinkedIn. And also someone else might see it and go, oh, would you come and speak at our startup place, university, business, whatever. Like I, to me, that would be a no brainer and it should be recorded and stuck on your podcast. So wherever you go, you just tell them. Yeah. To- this will be getting recorded and used in my own podcast. Happy to come and speak for free, if you are happy to come and speak for free. And also, oh, hang on. And also, there must be a way of getting a hold of the contact details of everyone there, though. Offer them a prize or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm learning, I'm learning. I think I maybe did post something on LinkedIn, but I'm not a big poster of LinkedIn. I should probably do it more often.
0: Let's, let's see. Let's see if you posted something. How long okay. ago was it?
1: It was probably maybe o- October, November time last year, because I remember when I went to Edinburgh, it snowed.
0: Oh, I'm not going to be able to find it, am I? Let's, let's not worry about it just no. now.
1: Because <laughs> no. I remember thought... they, they said to me, would I stay for later in the afternoon? Because I was talking in the morning. yeah. And because it had snowed, the trains were really bad. Yeah. And I said to them, I don't think I can stay because I might end up having to stay in Edinburgh and because I wasn't getting paid and they didn't pay my travel or anything, I said to them, I think I have to just sort of, thank you very much. If they'd said to me beforehand, will you stay in the afternoon and talk in the afternoon as well? I'd have probably factored that in yeah. but because they didn't sort of say to me, I didn't stay. Was it Enterprise Nation? It was Enterprise Nation.
0: Okay, so I think, you haven't asked for my feedback, but I'm going to say anyway. What went wrong with that post is you've put their link into your post, and so it hasn't picked up traction. That would have been a great post if you'd have talked about. Oh no, that's you doing. Yes, you. That's previous to going. Right. Let's see if let's see if the lunch and learn is it four keys to unlock the business of your dreams. No,
1: what no. is it?
0: Mm, okay. Well, you haven't done a post about it then, unless you've deleted it later or or something else has happened to it. I can't no, see I d- it. I
1: don't. I don't delete. No.
0: No, well, well, I can see it there because the Lunch and Learn's there, but it's, yeah, there's no kind of post after it. So I would, I personally, genuinely would would want to read a post by you about your experience speaking somewhere. That's the kind of thing I love reading. And I, I see those kind of things pick up quite good traction for people as well.
1: Okay. I might anyway. post it now then. If I, I was going to get yep. in touch with the woman that ran it and mm-hmm. say to her, has she got any photographs and things? And if she has, I might post it now and see. Because... Like I say, I am quite keen to sort of get on the speaking circuit. If you see what yeah. I mean,
0: you could always say Thor. I was Thor was on my podcast today, and he was hassling me about this. And he might be right. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? Well, you could you could even do it as a poll, couldn't you? You could yes. say Thor was hassling me, and he was saying that I should I should have posted about my talk. You know, who, would is it the kind of talk you'd be interested in? Going? I don't know. I don't know what the poll question is, yes. but basically yeah. a poll or something. I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you find LinkedIn works for you then? Well, it's that's a
0: great question. Sometimes, I guess, is my best answer. And it, I guess I I certainly don't use it in a systematic manner. I know I, I have clients actually who've used it quite aggressively, and they'll they'll kind of build campaigns through it and they'll automate things. I think I have an ethical issue with that. It's not that I have it. other people can do whatever works for them, but for me, it is quite a personal medium, and I like to post often quite personal stuff and sometimes provocative things like I'll ask challenging questions which is sort of my brand that's fine I mean it's who I am in an executive coaching role it's not my job to agree with the managing director or whoever I'm coaching it's my job to ask challenging questions so I'll do that a lot on LinkedIn too so I think for that reason though it isn't necessarily as good for developing new business relationships for me as it might be for some because I don't play the game if you know what I mean like I don't I don't try and fit in. And if I disagree with name the thing, it could be, I don't know, ESG or whatever the thing is, I'll just ask the awkward question. And I think that noises some people up, to be honest. So that's fine. I mean, I that is totally fine. I'm not
1: it would help you stand out, I think, if you if yeah. you irritate people.
0: <laughs> but whether that I basically, since I've been more willing to do that over the last probably two and a half, three years. I'd say I've had less business from LinkedIn. Now, there could be other reasons for that. It's not a controlled experiment, so I shouldn't make too much of an assumption about it. And it's fine. I'm, I still get business through LinkedIn. It's not one of my main... It's not my main new business source. So
1: how do you get new business?
0: Mainly would be word of mouth. like Is mainly it? Word of mouth. Well, it's actually, no. It might be second at the moment to podcast advertising. I advertise on four different podcasts. Oh, Okay. I sponsor podcasts and yeah, so that I found super successful for generating leads and what the podcasts are really doesn't matter. I'm probably not going to name them here because it's, if you're, well, you are into podcasts. If people are into podcasts, they'll know that it's such a niche thing that that's not really the point. But the point is I am a huge believer in podcast sponsorship. So if anyone's listening who would like to speak to your clients, they should be offering you sponsorship because you don't, I have no idea on your numbers. It doesn't matter. Even relatively small numbers of listeners, if they're engaged, will you know potentially do business with the sponsors of any given show. Yeah. So in my experience, I've sponsored a pretty one of the podcasts was pretty small, was literally just starting up. It still brought me business worth thousands of pounds. So I, to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. The return on investment is amazing. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that's been the best source of new business for me over the last two years. Other than that, would be previous clients, and then third would be word of mouth.
1: And are you busy just now, or are you finding that it's quieter? I
0: think I just had my best three months ever. Wow, that's good. Other than, well, other than when I used to have a team, pre last oil crash. But since working on basically on my own, which is what I do now, I have some other help in, you know, kind of off-book help type of thing. But in terms of my actual operating coaching, yeah, I just had my best three months.
1: Wow. Why do you think
0: that is? Just... Well, I asked a good question. Okay, just being, what's the right word? Do
1: you think people are struggling just now? Mm,
0: well, some people are. I mean, I don't like to generalise because, yeah, sure, some people are. I'm, I'm trying to think, what. so if I had to answer, I'd say. <laughs> well, I'm being, being a bit cagey because there's something personal in the background that happened at the end of the year, and I, I'm hesitant to name it because it's to do with personal relationship so i i just i'm also aware that this podcast is sort of northeast focused so that's okay put it it this way no no i i want to answer the question I i just want to answer it diplomatically so i guess my answer would be i'm in a very good place psychologically right now and and being the best version of me psychologically is is in my kind of game executive coaching can only help in terms of business development in terms of client satisfaction, because it is quite a personal thing. Although I use systems and processes and structures, a lot of this work is about me and how I interact with the client. You know, it's not about me. It's about them and their results. Yes,
1: yes. But I suppose if you're having a bad day and you turn up for a coaching session, then it's not actually going to work, is it? Because you're going to be sitting there going, oh, my God, I can't be bothered with this. (laughs) (laughs) What are you telling me that for? You think you're suffering? You've got no (laughs) idea. That could be a challenge.
0: I don't, I don't know. I mean, consciously, I would like to think that doesn't happen, but for sure, subconsciously, I mean, we're we're human beings, and so if there are if there are, if there are things that are off in your private existence, there is a chance they could come through for sure. So you ask why it's why that's happened. I think it's a combination of things. So one of, one of them is my own mindset, which is a big deal. The other one might be people struggling, but I, that hasn't necessarily been the reason they've said they've come to me and the reason these things have happened. I think it's just, yeah, I think, I think I would probably go with the positive to be honest, in terms of who I'm being has been optimum. That, that That's what I would say. Bit of a waffly answer, but that I think that's my answer. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, no, that's okay. So this podcast is called small business financial freedom. Do you feel like you have financial freedom in your business? And what does that mean to you?
0: So, Financial freedom to me means, I know there are all kinds of definitions of this. To yeah. me, financial freedom is about not having crazy requirements to spend. So, because I, I can, if if I, I know, and I've proven to myself many times, that I can go out into the world, engage with whoever, help them generate value and be paid for that value. So therefore, I don't have any, I don't have any kind of insecurities about creating money. For me, financial freedom is is not, simple terms, not overspending. Like, you can you can have a heck of a lot of freedom with 10 grand if you buy, I don't know, something I'm looking at at the moment. A wee sailing boat, and you can go sail off for 10 grand. I mean, you could easily spend 10 grand on a few nights out. Like, and then what have you got? Yes. <laughs> a few hangovers. Like, it, it, it's about what you choose to spend the money on. So do I have financial freedom? Yeah, I I have physical geographical freedom. I can work from wherever I want. I could go and live somewhere. I happen to live in Aberdeenshire, between Aberdeenshire and Shetland, but I could live somewhere way cheaper if I chose to and still earn exactly the same because I'm on Teams or Zoom, so as long as there was Wi-Fi. So, yeah, I do have freedom. Freedom to me doesn't mean having a billion bucks in the bank and being able to sit and live on that money. And what I've noticed is my wealthier friends – don't do that anyway. I've got yeah. friends with hundreds of millions. They don't sit around, they're still knocking their pan in. So it, it it's not about an amount of money to me. It's about geographical freedom and freedom to, if I want to shell out on X, I can shell out on X. But my X isn't fancy cars, for example. I'm driving around in a 20 year old car and I've never been happier. I've had years of having brand new cars, new Beamers, new whatever's. Didn't bring me, genuinely, didn't bring me any level of satisfaction at all just as happy in a 20 year old mini that someone gave me during covid yeah i just i don't possessions just don't make me happy i know that sounds cliche but it's, it's true they really and, don't
1: no and i think it's a good lesson for small businesses because a lot of them chase money yeah i don't want to generalize as well but a lot of businesses do chase money and they think if i haven't got money all i really need to do is get more sales and that's not always the truth i mean financial freedom to me is time Mm -hmm. it's not money it's not monetary related but it does it does mean it is to a certain extent in that i've got enough money that i don't need to work or i'm earning enough money in four days a week that i can have the fifth day off Mm -hmm. sort of thing and it could be that the financial freedom for a small business entrepreneur might be time because a lot of them put themselves last yeah
0: I like that Susan. I would I would agree. I think you've summed it up way more effectively than I did, because that's sort of what I was getting at. It's like if I can be anywhere working, I can also choose the hours I work or don't work. Obviously I negotiate it with clients if it's a client call. But that level of flexibility, like if if I want to take Wednesday morning off to do X and go and look at a marina from my boat, well that's what I'll do. Yes. And that is a very
1: Feeling. It's I mean, quite I... a powerful feeling as well, yeah. isn't it? It makes it easier to work, I think, if you know that you've got time, if you've got the financial freedom of time. And that's one of the things that I want to try and get across to small businesses is to find the time. And if I can help them financially find the time, then that's good. Because I do think a lot of entrepreneurs put themselves last, pay themselves last, and don't regard themselves as the most valuable asset in the business. You know, we'll think about paying their staff first, paying their rent first, paying this, paying that. Have they got enough money to pay their VAT? Have they got enough money to pay their tax? But they're not thinking about what do I want out of this business and how can I get it?
0: Some of them would be way better off just having a job because they are not willing to pay themselves first in any way. I totally agree. So you end up in a scenario where someone's knocked their pan in for 10 years in the business. Actually, they could have done something in the same sector and had a job and had a much more relaxed time. So they put themselves to the edge of heart failure or whatever with some kind of dream for big payday, which magic if they if they really are going to go go to that big payday, but often that isn't even in the plan anyway. No. So they're just knocking their pan in. And yeah, I, I know people like this, I'm sure you do. They make the payroll for the staff or they pay all the bills and then realise they can't pay themselves. So no. that, that that is another lesson that I have taken on board over the years is, yeah,
1: paying myself first. <laughs> pay yourself first, Yeah. But you you have to go through it. It was a bit like me and the taking on anyone and everyone and not valuing myself. You have to go through it to a certain extent. Well, you don't have to go through it. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, don't do it. (laughs) Learn from our mistakes.
0: (laughs) If you'd like Susan to come and speak
1: at your venue, you can get her through Okay, no, well, I think that that would be an ideal place to stop, Thor.
0: <laughs> I agree. Get some uh, lunchtime coffee before my afternoon calls. Yes. Let me know if you if you've got another speaking gig coming up. Give a shout. Hi, I'm not I'm not trying to pitch you for business, but I'd be really happy to do a run through with you before you go. Okay. Like Bob did for me, and we can do a wee pressure test run through. So whatever you've got, we can just get it on its feet together and give it a run on Teams or Zoom. Yeah. And I. Can- typically add value in that kind of situation even in just a quick half hour call if you if you were doing a 15 minute talk but happy to stick an hour into it because uh, i well i enjoy it so happy okay, to help well that, that's
1: nice time. of you that's nice of you and i might reach out to bob now that you've said ask for help i might reach out to bob tell him might thor say to him can you yeah. help me
0: <laughs> tell, him, tell him thor sent you absolutely just say
1: thor said and he'll, he'll you like would this. help me <laughs> 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 and it was good to talk to you thor you too my name's susan crichton company's sjc plus zero accountants if you need to talk to me or anything just reach out thanks very much
0: cheers bye
1: bye